0: Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now, with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we go to a youth-led business headed by uh, Eliana Bravos, and the organization is Viable Careers, and that name is about to change, and we'll get into that in just a minute. So, Eliana, tell us about your academic background.
1: Right. So I just graduated from the University of Toronto. Um, just this. well, I guess I'm graduating soon. My graduation is in June, and it's June right now. Um, and I studied psychology, peace, conflict, and justice um, as a double major. And then I also completed a minor in linguistics. Um, yeah, really focused on uh, neurodiversity with a lot of my personal projects as well. Looking at like disability and student rights. Uh, recently, this past term, I was able to complete a research project on um, neurodiversity and employment discrimination um, under the supervision of one of my professors. Um, and we're continuing to work on that project in the summer. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's.
0: Okay, so talk about your work experiences, whether it was in high school or a university.
1: Right. Uh, so most of my work experiences happened in the non sector so I worked uh, at Autism Ontario for a few years um, in their summer programs um working with autistic young people in like a camp-like setting really just trying to um create like a fun inclusive space um and then I've also worked at the Ephesians Institute uh where I um was a speech language pathologist assistant and I volunteered both there um, for over a year, as well as that March of Dimes, um, and I was supporting like conversations by using like SCA, uh, which is like a toolkit, um, using strategies like keywording, to support people and being able to have um, fun, fulfilling conversations with other people, just as an accessibility aid. Um, and then now I'm working on viability, which is really exciting for me, uh, being able to do my startup full-time after graduating um it's a little bit i got really anxious about it but it's also very exciting um and that's what i'm doing now and i'm working a lot both in like business development doing um a lot of like our neurodiversity education stuff so i've given a lot of different like workshops and trainings and done consulting work with different organizations both like small businesses larger corporations and um like higher education institutions Um, like different universities such as McMaster and the University of Toronto. Um,
0: Okay, uh, hold on on now. You've got a lot to cover. But, uh, so let's talk about the name. How did you come up with the name?
1: Uh, Right, so when we first started, we like looked through a dictionary and we were all just kind of sitting around a dictionary trying to find different words. Um, and then we came across viability and at that time we were very employment focused and, um, viability means, you know, the ability to work successfully. And that's, um, something that, you know, at the time we really focused on is supporting and empowering our young people in work and, um, trying to communicate to businesses that, um, they should be making an active effort to create more accessible processes for uh, neurodivergent people, um, so really spreading that kind of message. Um, now, as a team, we've kind of grown and uh, shifted where we really prioritize being responsive to the needs of our community and being youth-led. A lot of our community members for asking for things like recreational programming um, just creating, like, safe peer-to-peer spaces where people could show up as their authentic selves and not feel any sorts of pressures to act in, like, normative ways. Um, And so we've kind of grown to also offer different services like that um, and really also focused on taking, like, a systems-based approach to uh, the work we do where we're, you know, really focused on not trying to get, like, disabled people to change parts of themselves to be able to go to work, but then working with businesses mostly to create supportive systems so disabled people can show up at work and be well. Um,
0: okay, so we, you, yeah. <laughs> you, you used a big word in there that a lot of people aren't going to understand. Right. you better explain that.
1: Right, absolutely. So, oh my goodness. Um. <laughs> Neurodiversity is this umbrella term, and it really refers to, like, the entire human range of cognitive diversity. So it's basically the idea that different brains work and engage with the world differently. Um, But there are some that work and see the world in more similar ways than others. Um, So neurodiversity can include, it also includes neurotypicality, but Uh, which is like the most common uh, neurotype, um, what most people's brains are wired as. um, But then it also includes like ADHD, dyslexia, um, autism, mental health-related disabilities, uh, Parkinson's and tremor, uh, dyscalculia, learning disabilities, um, any sort of like acquired neurodivergence, like an acquired brain injury or aphasia. Um, So, yeah. A neurodivergence person sorry, uh, would be anybody that kind of falls outside of that, like, most common brain type. Um,
0: That's a huge list. Yeah. <laughs> why, why not focus on three or four as compared to the, the broad spectrum?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that um, one of the things, there are, like, there is a lot of, like, solidarity between the different communities under each like neurotype um and you know there's also like power and numbers and so um and some accommodations that support you know somebody with ADHD would also support like an autistic person or a person with anxiety and so um I think at its core the neurodiversity movement is about creating spaces where the norm is that like there's no or like the culture is that everyone believes there's no right way to like be, to think, or to exist. And like across like all of these different neurotypes, um, that's something that's consistent is, you know, we're trying to work with businesses to create a culture, um, and with different organizations and the community to create a culture where, you know, people can show up, um, and behave in a way that some people might see as like weird and then like challenge that assumption, um, and to support people, no matter how they present and no matter what their needs are. Um, and also everybody's different, even within like each neurotype, like I know, you know, I have ADHD and I have like friends with ADHD and like sometimes our needs are also like very different, even though we have the same, um, brain wiring. And so we have some similarities, but we also have some differences. And so, uh, no matter what, like when working to create like supportive spaces, it really needs to be like person driven. Um, yeah, does that answer your question?
0: Sure. Okay. So talk about your team now. In a previous discussion, you talked that a number of your team members face this as well.
1: Yeah, so the majority of our team members are neurodivergent themselves, like over 70% of our team members. Um, And so we have um, like a variety of different neurotypes represented, and it's really important um, to us that when we are educating about neurodiversity, that we're empowering people, to be able to like speak about their own lived experiences. So when we, you know, create like a resource on autism, we make sure that we have like autistic people there to give input and to like lead that conversation. Um, But on our team so far, we have individuals who are autistic, um, have ADHD, have various mental health related disabilities like PTSD, depression, anxiety, um, disassociative identity disorder, um, on like the schizoaffective spectrum. Um, we also have people with like dyscalculia, um, some people with learning disabilities. Um.
0: Okay, so yeah. <laughs> having said that, how do you approach a college or a university to see if they have a policy or a group within the college or the university? recognize those areas?
1: Yeah, so all uh, universities are like higher ed institutions and all, like all organizations in Ontario have to comply with the Ontario Human Rights Code, uh, which has certain um, requirements around like they do to accommodate individuals with disabilities. Um, and so each university or college should have like an office um, that supports accessibility. Um, and so we tend to approach them um, and then try and support them and being able to uh, better meet the needs of their neurodivergent students.
0: Okay, so let's take University of Toronto. Yes. Do they have a policy or do they have a department that supports students with such a disability? Coming yeah, into so they university? Have, yeah,
1: so they have both. So they have like an accessibility services department So, students uh, register with them in order to get, like, accommodations in different uh, courses. Um, But then the University of Toronto, like, more broadly also has certain policies um, about, like, the duty to accommodate students, which is, again, consistent with, like, the larger, uh, like, provincial human rights legislation. Um, So, um, it, like, specifies, like, how, like, what... um, specifies like different types of accommodations that can be offered um although like it just gives examples because um the whole idea is that universities have a duty to accommodate unless there's like undue hardship which is a pretty like hard standard to prove Um, but then so then students themselves will go to accessibility services and say you know like here's my like documentation and they'll meet with an accessibility advisor and then that accessibility advisor Um, can support them in getting accommodations in different classes, um, which is a process I personally went through as well um, at the university.
0: Because our research has shown that a lot of organizations develop a policy, they don't update it, and there's nobody accountable for ensuring that that policy is implemented.
1: That's uh, absolutely true. I think in both higher ed institutions and in most organizations, unfortunately. Uh, right now, um, the University of Toronto law faculty is actually being sued because they um, refused to accommodate some students um, by offering like online options be- uh, for like a non COVID related disability, even though the majority of the programming this year um, was offered online anyways because of COVID-19. Um, and so um, Anousheh Shake um, filed um, a complaint against the, with the Ontario Human Rights Code and you can read about that. I think the Toronto Star just released an article about it either yesterday or the day before yesterday. Um, so unfortunately, like that is the reality. It's often, you know, students or different like organizers that are trying to um, make changes with certain policies, but it's not like, you know, best practices are always followed. Um, okay. And so, yeah.
0: So let's get into advocacy and action. Okay. Is your group doing anything in terms of advocacy?
1: Um. So in general we do, <laughs> sorry, um, we don't, we're not running any larger campaigns right now, um, but we do work with schools and with different organizations to support them directly in creating more like accessible cultures and workplace processes. Um, and so typically we'll like go in and give like workshops and have ongoing conversations and do like ongoing consulting work so we can support them and meet like their own like unique like organizational needs. Um, with the University of Toronto, we did three different workshops this past year. Um, as one example, um, one was on like, uh, basics of like accommodating neurodivergent students, you know, things to know how to take a more like systems like justice rooted approach to accommodations. Um, and so we did that back in the fall and then we had like a follow-up with, um, um, their team where we kind of did more of a deep dive into a lot of those questions. And then we also had like a student facing workshop. Um, but we are hoping to, um, also, um, support other organizations and their campaigns and be able to take a larger um, advocacy role um, as we grow and gain capacity as an organization.
0: So, Eliana, one of the, the big problems is a lot of organizations operate in silos. And so in terms of, you know, it, it, it just doesn't affect Person with that disability it affects the family it affects friends of that person so in your workshops do you deal with any of those issues for family and friends of a person with a disability
1: so really what we do is we really believe that like neurotypicality um or like you know like the social norms that dictate how we should all show up and behave um can be like a punishing kind of standard for anybody whether they're neurotypical or not um you know non-disabled people also still um are disadvantaged or struggle or, or sometimes unwell because of these like systems that we have in place as a society. And so our work really focuses on creating, um, like neuroinclusive structures, um, and cultures where everybody is accommodated and has their needs met, no matter whether they disclose that they're disabled or not. And so, um, you know, we do really take like universal design type of approach, um, to, the programming that we offer, and in our own um, programs as well for community, um, they're always open to both neurodivergent people and allies, as long as anybody showing up to the space is respectful and can benefit from the program.
0: Because, you know, for many parents and many brothers and sisters, it's sometimes very hard to understand what that person is experiencing absolutely, and then how to cope with that type of situation. How do you address those issues?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is connecting them with people with lived experiences um, that are like relevant to the situation. So like, you know, if they have like an autistic child, uh, being able to connect them with like autistic adults who have been through many of the same lived experiences and can, kind of show up as like a role model for um, like what, you know, like a bright future can look like. Um, Because I think a lot of times parents do have a hard time kind of navigating these conversations or family and friends and, you know, may not know where to start. There's also, you know, when you look up disability issues, there's a lot of ableism too. There's a lot of people who say, you know, disability is a tragedy or, you know, disabled people are like superheroes. And so, Kind of just supporting parents and directing them to like the right place is something that uh, we try to do so they can learn from people who have insights into like the internal states and lived experiences of, um, or better that, um, than they might to their friends and family.
0: So let's talk about people who have one of these disabilities. Yeah. Do you have a mentor? program to support them?
1: Yeah, so that's something that we're actively working to create right now. So our team uh, provides like informal mentorship. um, And we also support people in being connected to mentors. um, Again, like more like informally right now, but we're working on creating a web app uh, to try and make this mentorship more uh, widely available. And so the whole idea is that um, like a disabled person could find another person that shares many of their same lived experiences. So, you know, I, as like a young woman with ADHD, connect with like an older woman with ADHD who maybe, um, is like in a profession that I'm really interested in entering. Um, and then I can like learn from her and what's worked from her with, her, uh, what's worked for her. Um, and also connect on like other lived experience bases as well. Um, so that's something that we're actively working on, uh, Right now, it's a support, and then we also um, are creating p- more peer-to-peer programs that we're releasing this summer, such as a peer-to-peer like job search support slash accountability group. So people can come on, uh, re- receive mentorship, job search together, and just be in like a supportive community um, and know like they're not alone.
0: Okay, so here comes the fun question. Yes. <laughs> Where are you going to be? Where's the organization going to be three years from today?
1: that's a really big question <laughs> um one of the that's a great question um and i was thinking about this one a lot <laughs> and you know it's trying to balance you know dreaming really big and then also um, being realistic but i think really working with more schools is something that we want to do especially like elementary schools and high schools uh, to create more like neuroinclusive classrooms, because I think a lot of times, you know, neurodivergent people navigate these different um, education systems, and you know, they might experience bullying, or they might have a really hard time in class, and you know, they might be like experiencing different barriers to access, and don't know how to self advocate for themselves, or you know, feel like there's something wrong with them, um, and so really trying to address a lot of those issues earlier. Um, help support them in like building communities with um like supportive peers and um um be able to help them like unlearn some of that like internalized ableism before you know they grow up and then they're like you know i feel like there's like I'm like a messed up person because like a lot of people even that come to our team like feel that way unfortunately and you know it, it's really powerful to kind of shift that narrative from like oh no there's nothing wrong with you like there's something wrong with the systems around you and like we can work to change those together um, so that's one of the things that we're hoping to do um, also we want to have our web app like fully developed and up and running um, we're trying to create the minimum viable product um, by the end of this year. Um, so, and we're taking, like, a very, like, bottom-up community-based, like, development approach to that, too. So, we have a team of over, like, 20 neurodivergent young people who kind of, like, we all design together on Zoom. Um, and so, I'm really excited for that. We also, we just won, um, or we were just selected as one of the honorable mentions in, like, Mars and CIBC's, uh, support at work challenge. Um, and so, we got a little bit of funding and support to develop that as well, which we're very grateful for. Um, what else? Yeah, I think just growing our programs, being able to hire ourselves full time (laughs) is something that we definitely want in the next three years. But I think really still staying true to like our grassroots, like peer-to-peer approach. Um, but yeah, hiring more staff would also be great. And having monthly events is something that we also want to do, um, where we're specifically platforming neurodivergent, uh, role models who can speak about different issues, um,
0: And maybe an annual convention or something like that.
1: Something like that.
0: (laughs) Okay, so how do you fund this organization?
1: Yeah, so right now, um, we're actually moving away from like a grants-based funding model. That's, we were very, very grateful to receive a grant from the Laidlaw Foundation when we first started, um, and that supported our work a lot. but now we are mostly trying to fund ourselves through the workshop and consulting services that we provide, and then like redirecting some of that funding into our community programs. Um, so that's been a huge focus, and it's great for us because that type of work is also very like mission aligned when we're working with organizations where, you know, creating more like neuroinclusive spaces, and so um, we're able to get revenue or get funding while we're also directly like advancing um, like the neurodiversity work that we're doing.
0: So last but not least, your website. Yes. Now, you have an existing website. Yes. (laughs) But you may be changing it.
1: We just updated our website right now, so all the content is pretty up-to-date, but we are going to probably still be making a few more edits as the months go by, and we're still getting, like, feedback from different members in our community for sure. But in terms of, like the base information. It's pretty good if people want to go on now and find out <laughs> what we do um, before we hadn't updated it for a couple of years. So some of the information was a little bit older. But So what is it.
0: the address? It's uh,
1: viablecareers.org.
0: But you're more than
1: careers. We are more than careers, yeah. So we're also thinking of um, rebranding to something like NeuroDivergent Features because that's really... At our core, uh, what we're about now, um, creating better futures for uh, neurodivergent people with our community, um, and you know, transforming like workplaces, schools, and our society in ways that support everyone. So really, expanding a little bit past just the workplace.
0: Okay, well, thank you for your time this evening.
1: Thank you.